0: And I am joined in the studio by Bill Micah. Bill uh, started his professional career as a bond trader before moving on to spend almost two decades working undercover as a futures and options trader, investment banker and money launderer, uncovering crimes related to capital markets, fraud, drug cartels, terrorism and cybercrime. And we're here today to talk a bit about cybersecurity because October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. So, Bill, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Karen. Good to be here.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you here. And we're also on Facebook Live. So if you go to my Facebook page, Karen, on RTHK Radio 3, you can see Bill as well as hear him. So, Bill, just a bit of background on you. I mean, I just read a brief bio of you, which sounds extremely interesting. Um, Tell us a bit more about how you got into this whole first undercover world and then actually now helping companies and organizations.
1: Well, as a young lad, I always wanted to join the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Canadian iconic role and but when I finished university there was a hiring freeze oh. <laughs> so so I went to I went to London and was fortunate enough to get a job as in the capital markets as a eurobond trader and a professional market maker and about a year later I got a call how hey, would you like to come back join the Mounties there's a spot for you and I it was a tough decision because I was making good money right a lot more than I ever made as a police officer, but I wanted something more than money. So I I came back to Canada, joined the Mounties, did a few years of basic uh, police duties, and then uh, went into the undercover program, applied for it and got accepted and did the training. And because of that background I had in financial markets, capital markets, it was very rare for somebody, uh, at that time anyways, with my education and, and job experience to come and join the police, let alone get into our undercover program which at the time did not really focus on financial crime, but focused more on drugs, uh, major crime, meaning homicides uh, kidnappings, things of that nature, so it was a, more of a i wouldn't say blue collar but but more of that violent edge tinge to it and and so I was able to work that comfortably as well as understand money and how financial instruments work and so it wasn't long before I got asked how would you like to you know, what do you know about futures and options? Mm-hmm. I said, I don't know anything about futures <laughs> and options. So um, Ottawa said, how would you like to go work for the FBI down in Chicago? But because you're going to be trading uh, in public markets, uh, you need to write all your CFTC exams and Canadian securities exams to be able to be licensed right. and to trade in both markets. So you were a legitimate markets. trader. Oh, yeah. no yeah. I was. The only difference is I was also uh, wearing a recording device. Oh. So I had uh, two jobs. I had to actually pay attention right. to be credible in the market as, a, as a, both a broker and a trader. And
0: you were supposed to make money, obviously. Yes, right? to be,
1: I mean, if I wasn't making money, why am I still exactly. there? Exactly. So, uh, you know, fortunately I was able to, to keep my head above water, uh, but at the same time really focused on finding out what type of criminal activity was taking place in the public markets. I think it was a bit of a surprise to many, not that criminality took place, but to the, to the extent it I took see. place. Yes, and and so it was a real eye opener, certainly for me, because that was my first foray outside of doing uh, drug buys, you
0: okay. know, and dealing with
1: that level of criminal. But it was the beginning of, of something that taught me uh, it throughout my entire career. I mean, I, I'm dating myself, but I, I joined the police thirty over thirty-five years ago originally, and I was fortunate enough uh, to to be involved in, in covert work for most of that period of time and even upon leaving government, still did some consulting and did some contracts uh, for different entities, mostly related to sanctions and asset recovery for the World Bank. But, but something fundamental uh, that I know now to be very true, financial crime doesn't typically take place in the office environment. Uh-huh. It doesn't take place in, in the financial markets. It takes place in bars, it takes place on golf courses, in all those places where you're developing a relationship with the counterparty. And, and it's a question I used to teach on undercover courses, and I would say to the class, what does undercover mean to you? And typically the class would always say the same thing, using guile or subterfuge to gather evidence or intelligence to you know, find out the truth. That's essentially all true, but, but undercover is nothing more or less than relationship building. Mm. So if you can't establish a relationship with your target, it's very difficult for them to want to trust you knowing that if you're a police officer or a government operator, they could lose their liberty by going to jail. If I'm in fact another criminal or somebody opposing camp, they could lose their life. Right. So depending on the degree by which you are involved with them, they have a lot to lose. So they need to have that opportunity to, to feel that they can trust you. And so when you're just in a financial market doing a transaction, you don't get that bonding. And I, was recently, I had a, a global head of a, of a big five bank say, Bill, what keeps me awake at night is wondering what my traders are doing. Mm-hmm. And he says, you have any way of trying to monitor for that or to look for that? And my reply to him was simply, just tell me where they drink.
0: Right. And, and then it, you can find out everything. Yeah,
1: because again, mm-hmm. you, you start engaging with them and, and you start uh, befriending. Uh, and and through the course of the conversation as you enjoy a beer as you you know go golfing together uh, squash doesn't matter you always do what your targets are doing because I'm not there to, to make them a friend for life they're they're a target to me right and so what can I do to ingratiate myself uh, and form
0: to that. that bond or that trust. Yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely. You know, yeah. it's really about getting their confidence. And so, so I used to always look throughout my entire covert career, but especially when it came to financial crime, on three things. Uh, in, in terms of what agent of influence did I want to uh, identify in my target so they would see me as a useful person. So I usually, during the conversation, I'm focused on greed, power, or ego. Which one of those three factors do I need to uh, hit mm. to make this individual think that I could facilitate his need or desire of something that he or she wanted? And mostly he's. I mean, it, I mean crime tends to be mostly a, a, male, a male game. male yeah.
0: <laughs> So there's no gender equality there. But let's talk a bit about um, cybersecurity because it's interesting that people still tend to trust their data, to organizations who maybe they would trust you know, with their money, say, for example, a bank. You, you trust your your money to a bank, even though maybe you shouldn't, but you trust your data with all these organizations and companies. Should we be entrusting so many organizations with our data?
1: No. <laughs> the but, short answer? <laughs> yeah, it's a very short answer, but it's an unfortunate reality is that data is dominating our lives in everything we do. Unless you're prepared to be a hermit and turn yourself off from from the world, it's very rare that you're going to eliminate uh, data on you, data storage on you. Almost everybody has a cell phone today who, who uses rotary dial phones, right? And and profiles. I I do not have any social media at all. Okay. The only social media I have is LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, I am on the media a fair amount, so I, I have a profile that way. But you know the, the fact that people will so, especially the younger generation, this millennial age, will so freely and willingly give away their God-given uh, privacy, all in the name of sharing with my friends, I want to have something in my hand that's intuitive, that can do the thinking for me. The problem with that is you are giving away every facet of your life and that data is being aggregated, it's being stored and it's being profiled on you. So I I find that very uh, discomforting and it's not something that I embrace at all. Yes I came from government, it was useful from an investigative point of view to, to understand where you can find data and and how it can be found but the reality today is the internet age especially it's certainly made undercover work more difficult, in 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 so far as how do we protect the identities of our covert people? Right. And I was involved in that whole program of setting it up. The converse, the opposite side of that, conversely, is that the bad guys are equally as adept and as as good as government people when it comes to taking data, screening data, manipulating data to to, to get a result. And and the the sad truth is. The Internet age has made every citizen on this planet with uh, some type of electronic access a potential predator, a potential criminal. You know, how many times have we heard stories of just teenage kids bored and it's an intellectual exercise uh, and they take down, you know, uh, a network in a hospital or or they attack a government. Yeah, for fun. It's not that they mean to do harm. But now you take that forward where, hey, I'll pay you. To either get dirt on my my husband or wife or on my business partner or something that I could plant that compromises them and and again, there was a time when when we didn't have to deal with those issues but today the 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 scope and scale by which uh, human beings have become uh, feed for the for the mill right. uh, has increased exponentially. Yeah,
0: I mean, we've become so used to signing up for things online, on your phone, and it, it asks you questions and you normally just tick the box that says, I accept, without really reading the five pages of tiny print that is all legalese, no one's ever going to read. So what what should people be doing and what should organizations be doing to, to protect themselves? Is there a way to really protect yourself?
1: Well i think it's very difficult to to protect yourself uh, to to an absolute degree. Um, the reality is if something has been made by man it 's going to be compromised by man you know there's there 's nothing that that's absolute and and you 're right people don 't read the small print myself included right? <laughs> where where your data then is aggregated and it's allowed to be sold off and, and is, is so, it
0: valuable how valuable is is data
1: well To me, data is now its own form of currency. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a time that that, you know, especially when I was laundering money, I would I would either give my cash to get laundered or somebody would give me their cash to get laundered, or I would buy cocaine or heroin and they would take the cash and it was that kind of basis. Today we have loyalty points on everything. We have cryptocurrencies, we have all these payment apps, everything's sort of in the cloud, it's in the air and so it can't be touched it can't be felt and yet the problem with that is that governments fear what they can't see because they can't tax it they don't know what's the use of that money and so anything that you and i agree is a form of value between us we can exchange that i can get a service from you in exchange for whatever and and the other the other element of that is is you know data hey listen, I'm willing to you know, buy you a trip around the world if you can get inside uh, that person's computer, if you can see what's in that bank account for me, because that's very valuable for me uh, for other purposes. This goes on every day. And the scary part of the world today is I, I'm considered an expert on money laundering and on financial crime investigations. That does not make me a security expert. That does not make me a cyber expert. I work with people who have that expertise and so some knowledge rubs off. But like anything, you need to really study it, be immersed in it to, to really have that, uh, a deep understanding. The problem is it doesn't take much for somebody to know just a little bit more than me or the next person. And so we're easily seduced by, wow, you know all the jargon, you right. know all the buzzwords. Yeah. Hey, you could fix my, uh, my DVD player. Yeah, right. Yeah. We even use DVD anymore. Anyway, <laughs> but, but, but the fact is, we, we, we think of them as an expert, and so we entrust them beyond what their ability really is. Mm. And the truth is, in the world today, almost 45% of all cyber attacks against either enterprises or individuals comes from an unknown threat.
0: A, to- a totally unknown, an, an unknown threat. threat. So really, just some random person be- or group of people. Well, who- well,
1: well, that. But also the the form of the the phishing attack or or the malware. It's not been seen before. Mm. So ninety percent of I'm sure all your listeners have they're very proud of their antivirus, yes, you know systems and 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 their malware systems. The problem is ninety percent of them only are are built to stop the known threats.
0: Right. It's kind of like the flu virus that you're hoping that this year's strain of flu is influenza B. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. But it may not be.
1: And then, yeah, there's a variance in it. And then, what does that do? Your, your systems are, are, are useless. And and so that's really the danger: is this false sense of security we have. When I do speak sometimes to to people who are a little more proficient in in cybersecurity, I, I ask them a question. You know, oh, we've got this very nice mouse trap that, you know, built a nice big mouse trap to keep all the bad guys out. And then you ask them, okay, that's great. Um, do you get, you know, spam in your junk box? You know, do, do your filter block it out of your email into your into your junk file? Yeah, yeah, it is. And so that's great. That means you've been compromised. Wow. Right? It, it, you know, that malware is sitting there, um, just waiting to be detonated, or could be detonated, but it's in your spam filter, but it's in your system. And that's the point. It is getting through. The, the best way, you know, it's really not a mom and pop thing, but but for an enterprise, is to really have advanced threat intelligence. Mm. What attacks are being formed in the dark web? Uh, you know, you know, two hundred thousand domains a day are being set up around the world. Which one of those two hundred thousand has been set up for a criminal purpose? Mm-hmm. And so, it's a matter of monitoring. That state in the, in the deep web where you're seeing, okay, how does that one of 200,000 domains today that's set up, am I seeing a pattern of, of behavior or code or correspondence going to that that can be identified to known uh, actors or known data sets that, that are going to lead to some type of phishing campaign or, or malware attack? Mm. So, you know, in the absence of embracing threat intelligence, which is really an early warning system. Which you can then uh, sort of heal your system or protect your system. You know, people make the mistake of thinking, "Hey, I'm going to just build a better mouse trap." But the problem with with that, unless you're going to be scanning, scanning constantly for you know your data and checking for anomalies. What happens when you catch Godzilla in your mouse trap? Right, you he's caught already him, there. but he's there and he's yeah. trashing it and, and you have a mess on your hands. Yeah. So, so it's, it's a problem that's bigger than most of us,
0: actually. Right, exactly. So, you know, is it is there any point, for example, in saying, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, deactivate this social media account or n- not allow this company to um, access this data about me anymore? Or is it kind of too late?
1: I think for many of us, it's it's probably too late. And you got to remember, a lot of the 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 compromises. I mean, I I won't do it here. Yeah. But but if I was to have your email, I could I could find out just off my mobile phone whether your your password and email attributes, you know, your identifiers have been sold on, wow. on the dark web. And a lot of that comes because of these data aggregators where people aren't reading the small print, whether they sign up for for a card at a at a yeah, clothing or an store, app or something. yeah, an yeah. app, a fitness app, or anything. But okay, what's your password? What's your date of birth? All of these things. But then these people get compromised, and your data. So they didn't compromise you specifically, but your data now has been uh, bought and sold. And and unless people are constantly changing their passwords, which many of us don't, mm. and you have so many different passwords, yes, you can't exactly. even remember it all.
0: That's become ridiculous now yeah. to keep up with that. And, yeah.
1: and and that becomes a problem. I mean, you can go to vaults, you know, but again, yeah. if it's made by man, it can be compromised by man. So I'm not trying to scare people, <laughs> but, but, you know, some of the basic things you can be doing is, you know, uh, change your password regularly.
0: Okay. Regularly meaning how regularly?
1: I would say depending what the nature of your business but you know probably every 60 days okay alright
0: because you know people change their passwords once a year or yeah. twice a year or
1: you know? or when the bank says hey we think you've been compromised right exactly right. Which, which happened to me actually not long ago really you know but uh, so change your password you know you know changing your password you know when not in use you know yeah. turn off your your router ports. Okay. You know, this is one of the problems with a small, medium sized business. There's usually one person in the business, if it's not really big with a dedicated IT department, we'll have an IT person who, who acts as the system administrator. The problem is, you know, they, they don't always turn off the, uh, the router ports or the data ports when they go home in the evening or over a weekend in case somebody's still working and there's an issue, mm. it's easier for them to, to troubleshoot it. The problem with that is that it, it leaves you uh, vulnerable. To, to a cyber attack or, or somebody to come okay. in your system but but the truth is the vast majority of compromises is not machine to machine it's humans it is either a lazy employer doesn't uh, employee doesn't do what they're supposed to do a disgruntled employee mm-hmm. you know sabotages yep. or or you just have somebody who has a, a criminal intent either selling data you know downloading it, selling it. Uh, so there are ways you can scan for this, but again, it depends on the size of your business or your enterprise, okay. what you want to do.
0: Can, can you leave us on any happy note at all?
1: <laughs> well, I think, I'm not, you know, in terms of, of the cybersecurity, uh, you know, there are there are those out there with the quantum age coming. Which is probably you know a number of years still away. It will completely change the landscape as we know it about cybersecurity and everything about cybersecurity today will become redundant with with quantum computing. But again, with the with all the progress of con- quantum computing, how else can that be used to to go against you as well? So I think the best thing is uh, you know use common sense, mm-hmm. uh, make sure things are configured properly. Uh, if you're not sure if somebody's an expert they're probably not
0: right <laughs> and, and
1: and and just rely on on good normal common sense who do you give your data out to how willingly do you give it out sometimes as you say on uh, some things that I'm kind of interested in, but they ask me for my date of birth. I, I never give my correct date of birth. Oh,
0: really? Yeah. Okay. So, so you don't really yeah. have to do that. It's yeah. If not it's, necessarily. If it's there
1: because they're just aggregating data on oh, okay. you. Okay. Yeah. Because and, and that... I don't always use my proper middle name. I do things that that deliberately aren't going to make it as easy uh, to find out about me. But but again, I, if even I don't have a Facebook account. People around me do, and and it's easy for people to st- you know you get tagged. And, and so, so much of your identity gets known. So, if I want to do identity fraud, identity theft, we, we're absolutely making a roadmap. Mm. And, and uh, you know, in my view, uh, Facebook is one of the most deadly inventions ever devised, no matter how well intentioned it was. Right. And we can see even today how principles of Facebook are what they're doing in the name of uh, profit. Uh, with your data, mm, yeah. so I find that a bit frightening, actually,
0: yeah, okay, I'm very conscious of the fact that we are on Facebook live right now. <laughs>
1: uh, uh, okay, I'll just use that as an example, but social media, I guess is social, media, better, yeah. social media is a better way of saying it, yeah. so I apologize for that
0: no, 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 not at all, not at all, but I think it's it's a great thing to just understand what the threats are and for people to just be a bit more conscious about what they're doing every day.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, you you're not going to go change uh, coming out of the shower in, in front of your living room window with the with the curtains open. Good you know, point. Typically, exactly. you wouldn't do that. I mean,
0: typically, no. <laughs> but
1: but so why would you do that in in the cyber world? Exactly. And yeah. So it's just a matter of, of taking a little bit of a, a step back, using a little bit more discretion about how much of yourself you reveal. Yep. And how much of yourself you want to share. With the world because you are exposed to the world uh, in the internet age today. Yeah,
0: Bill, thanks so much for joining us and uh, sharing all those stories with us. We've been speaking with Bill Micah, Global Head of Recovery Operations at EMIDR, talking about cyber threats and some possible solutions.